Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Picture yourself alone in the middle of nowhere and there's somebody following you. He went on his way, we so thought, and then we went on ours. But in reality, he really followed us up there. On Deadly Nightmares, the true crime podcast from ID, listen to real stories of ordinary people stalked by serial killers and attackers. Please, tell me we're not going to die. Listen to Deadly Nightmares on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following podcast contains content about stalking and sexual harassment that may be triggering or unsuitable for some listeners. Discretion is advised. Previously on Unraveled, The Stalker's Web. I spent the weekend with this guy, and he's been trying to hurt me in some way ever since. He revenge porned me to everyone in my life. It was horrible. It's really hard to live your life not knowing if, when, or how this unhinged person was going to show up. He started getting threatening to me. This guy is a psycho. I started getting emails from him of burned infants and there's a plan in motion. It was like wishing death upon my child. There's nothing I could have done that warranted this. Last episode, we heard from Rachel Kay, who was targeted by Jason Christopher Hughes after she had what she thought would be a no-strings weekend tryst with him. Instead, he turned obsessive, and when she left, he turned vindictive. We also know Jason targeted Vanessa V after she rebuffed him online. But were Jason's sexual frustrations the only motivator for his anger? Or was his sense of betrayal something even more encompassing? Jason wanted control of his world and his environment and everything in it. If you didn't show loyalty to him, he'd go after you. He wanted to erase people. You know, he wanted to drive them out of reality. I was scared of him. That's Travis. Travis was more than just a friend of Jason's. He was like a mentee. Travis saw Jason as a counterculture figure to look up to. He also believed there was a strong bond between them. 
But for Jason, the moment he believed that Travis had betrayed their friendship, there was hell to pay. He does have the ability to completely ruin your entire life. Once he's made up his mind, that's it. He puts you on this list and you are to be erased. He would make me pay. He's hurt people before. I deserve to die. He's one of the most dangerous people I've ever had to investigate. Just seems like wherever I go, there he is. From Discovery Plus, ID, and Joke Productions, this is Unraveled, The Stalker's Web, a six-part podcast investigating the story of one of the most prolific monsters to ever prowl the cyber world. And we'll see how the power that such a criminal has can lay waste to reputations, careers, relationships, and even lives. I'm Alexis Linkletter. And I'm Billy Jensen. For Jason Christopher Hughes to collect 50 or more victims during his reign of terror, it's a good bet that a number of different things would set him off. Our investigation would prove that to be true, but we also notice a disturbing trend. No matter what betrayal Jason felt, no matter how trivial it may seem to us, it inspired the same type of extreme revenge. My anxiety level is through the roof right now. I'm thinking everything that I say, he's going to hear. There's a complicated cocktail of emotions going on right now for me. Travis was hesitant to grant us an interview, but he wanted to expose the truth of how cyberstalker Jason Christopher Hughes has dismantled lives, including his own. It was especially hard on Travis, because the online world had once been his sanctuary. The first, like, 10 years of my life, I lived in rural Illinois, where my my closest neighbors were corn, soybeans, and cows. Then moved up to Michigan around 11 years old-ish. I was just weird and different, you know? I got the crap bullied out of me. But I got into the computers, and suddenly it was was magical, because here's all these people who are kind of in a similar situation. We all want to feel like we belong to something. That's when I kind of really woke up socially. Graduated high school and then moved out to Seattle, finished growing up. It was during this finished growing up stage at the start of the 2000s when Travis got involved in social web platforms like LiveJournal, which connected him to others in the Seattle community. It's also when he first met Jason Christopher Hughes. I would have been like 20, 21 years old. I met him at... uh, it was in the university district. There was a cafe, and uh, you know he'd sit out there every day with um, you know whoever it was who he was hanging out with, and kind of hold court. Jason's a highly imaginative human being. He's highly intelligent. He's, for all of his weirdness, he's kind of charismatic. You know, he he really like he drew me into his orbit. Jason and I talked a lot about computer hacking, cool, edgy movies. I thought he was really cool. He had a job at a consulting company. For a long time, he was selling, Jason was selling uh, ebooks on eBay, right? So they were pirated ebooks, and he'd just make a copy of it and email it to somebody for like $5. So he was, he was making a lot of money doing that. 
Travis admired Jason's cleverness and felt a kinship with him. Jason was a decade older, but claimed that he too had had a rough and isolating childhood. He said that he was in foster care and there wasn't enough food for all the kids and he would eat grubs. He'd peel the bark up on, on trees and eat the grubs out from underneath of the bark. I believed him at the time, you know. Now I, I don't really know because of how vivid his imagination is. Remember that story, because we are going to delve into Jason's upbringing in our next episode. Suffice it to say, Jason might not be the most honest person, but his rebellious attitude was something that appealed to Travis. I was really pissed off at the world, you know? Like I, I didn't like a lot of what I saw, you know, just humans being garbage to each other. And it was, it was kind of nice to have someone to sort of look up to. And so I listened to a lot of things that he said about the ways that he'd like seek revenge on people, um, the ways that he'd hack stuff, smoke a lot of weed and bring up somebody who had, you know, slighted him. And he'd go into great detail about, you know, what they did and how messed up they were. And, and uh, you know, he'd, he'd tell me the kind of things that, that he'd do. I'd listen to him, you know, gleefully describe emailing naked pictures to people's employers, um, to I think I remember him saying that he, he mailed Christmas cards to someone's parents one year that contained naked pictures of, of him having sex with them. I've always been kind of socially awkward, right? So it's kind of been difficult for me to make friends. And so I didn't want to acknowledge that this person that I looked up to was actually doing some pretty horrible stuff. Travis believed Jason's claims, but he made an uneasy peace with his behavior, partially because he admired Jason's skills. And the more he hung out with Jason, the more he got a master class in computer hacking. Travis revealed to us for the first time how Jason was able to perpetrate some of his online stalking. Right around the early 2000s, you know, there was tons of open Wi-Fi everywhere. I don't think he paid for internet ever, and that was kind of cool. Um, he would use like key loggers. You could put this thing between the keyboard and the computer and it would read all the keystrokes that went in there. And now we all were just down the road from University of Washington. And so he'd go in the computer lab and he would just record people logging in and get their credentials that way. So then he'd have a bunch of different logins. He would use um, like shell accounts so you could like Telnet or SSH to another computer on the internet. SSH is an encrypted terminal protocol and that allows you to connect from your computer to another computer to another computer, however many computers you want to go. He was sending fake emails from people to other people to make it seem like their friend had said something like, hey, I'm gonna you know, come kill you or hey, I know what your mom did. Um, He'd do things like that to sort of troll his subjects, the people that he felt deserved his wrath. He pulled people's credit reports, you know, tax records, uh, 
property sale records, and he made tons of accounts. He had tens of accounts on like Ars Technica and Slashdot and Y Combinator Hacker News. Travis is using a lot of jargon. Slashdot is a tech news website, and Y Combinator is a site that raises money for tech startups. Jason was always staying on top of digital trends. I've often wondered how he had the time to do it. Now, it, like this seems like a like it, it consumed a lot of his his life, just living in his room and watching movies, doing drugs, and stalking, harassing, and just scamming on the internet. If you hear that someone is a computer whiz, you might picture a hardcore science type. But Jason didn't fit that mold. In fact, throughout all of his illicit activity, Jason viewed himself as having some sort of mystical power. Remember what Lincoln said about him in our last episode? He believed he had a demon inside of him. He would talk about the demon kind of taking the driver's seat of his body. But based on what Travis observed, it was actually much more complex than that. He's deeply into the occult. He's created this magical framework for the world that he lives in. He's very into what uh, has been called chaos magic where one of the tenets is that you can change your identity at will, become a completely different person in order to affect your, your will in reality, to, to bend reality to your will. And I, th- I think a lot of those ideas are very present in his activity. He, he took the Nath last name, and Naths are kind of an offshoot of Shiva. Shiva is, you know, a god of creation and destruction. He really picks these bold themes. He told me that he chose the thylacine as his personal logo, the extinct marsupial. Like, he's got that tattooed on his his arm. He picked that because no one really knows for sure if it's actually extinct or not. I think that he really clung to that kind of mystique. Alexis and I want to stop here for a second to try and interpret what Travis is saying. All right. So assuming that not everyone knows what a thylacine is, we should explain this because we had to look it up too. Right. So a thylacine was a marsupial that looked very similar to a wolf, but it had stripes on its back like a tiger. It was native to Australia, New Guinea, and Tasmania. And it was a predator. And like Travis said in his interview, it's been extinct for more than 50 years. Yeah, so here's where it gets interesting. There are people who claim to have seen one of them since. And that's what gives the thylacine this mythological quality that apparently Jason likes. That's this elusive hidden predator, which is a scary way for him to think of himself. Yeah, it's totally scary. And by the way, this also explains one of Jason's known online aliases, Louis M. Arsupial. He really leans into this marsupial thing. And just to explain the rest of what Travis said, Jason would even sometimes go by the name of Michael Nath. Nath is an offshoot of Hinduism. So all of his aliases have some sort of hidden meaning. Yeah, and 
we're saying all of this just to hammer home the fact that when Travis says that Jason lived within a magical framework, this is the kind of stuff he's referring to. Ever since Travis had known him, he had seen Jason cast himself as the heroic vigilante. In fact, not long after Rachel Kay had visited him in Seattle before fleeing in the middle of the night, Jason told Travis a very different version of her story. Jason told me how he had found this woman on the internet and they had hit it off. And he took a bunch of pictures of her and then he told me that she went crazy, you know, and was like harassing him and stuff. So he, he sent a bunch of naked pictures of her to her, her workplace. According to Jason, Rachel was harassing him. He had cast himself as the victim, and Travis had no reason yet to doubt him. Of course, today, benefited by echoed accounts of dozens of other individuals also targeted since then, it's clear that Jason is the true stalker-harasser. Unfortunately, by the time Travis realized this, he would become one of Jason's victims himself. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. I'm very lucky to have a close relationship with my amazing mom, and I'm doubly lucky to be friends with some amazing moms. The thing is, this means that every year, right around this time, I get those panicked phone calls asking for Mother's Day gift recommendations from, obviously, their partners. So I was excited to learn about StoryWorth just in time for Mother's Day 2024. StoryWorth is an interactive way to preserve your loved one's stories for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question like, what do people get wrong about you? Or what's the most incredible trip you've ever been on? 
all your loved one needs to do is respond to that email with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. StoryWorth will send you a copy of your loved one's response, and after a year, StoryWorth compiles the stories and some photographs into a beautiful hardcover book that will last for generations. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. The moms in my life are big-hearted, hilarious, and they're all super storytellers, so they're going to love StoryWorth. I just know it. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash unraveled. That's storyworth.com slash unraveled to save $10 on your first purchase. We know from the stories of Vanessa V. and Rachel K. that sexual escapades were a major motivator in Jason Christopher Hughes' life. As a reminder, here is one of the messages Vanessa V. got from him, which she told us about in episode one. Out of nowhere, it's, I really want to find someone to have a threesome with me and my wife. We're going to make a spiritual parakeet. You could be the left wing of the spiritual parakeet. Jason's girlfriend situation was always complicated. Um, He had these girls. They were very young. you know, I'd say problematically young, but not like, not like illegally young. I don't want to uh, paint them in a negative light. If you find it odd that someone as, well, frankly, stalkerish as Jason would have multiple girlfriends, you're not alone. However, it is believable that the setup could lead to some domestic entanglements. And one day, during one of those problems, Jason called Travis for help. He was having a... Uh domestic difficulties with his two girlfriends that he had at the time. And uh, he wanted me to come over and sort of mediate were his words. So I went over there to mediate because, you know, I was a really cool 20-something and knew exactly what I was doing. I kind of like sat everybody down and I was talking to everybody and things seemed to be somewhat more relaxed by the time, you know, an hour had passed. And then he kind of pulled me aside and he said, hey, um, you know, I don't know what the situation's gonna, if it's gonna stay stable here. Can you like take this bag? You know, can you take my stash? The stash, of course, was Jason's bag of drugs. Perhaps Jason was concerned that if the situation escalated and the police were called, the drugs would be found. Travis admits that he had partaken in the contents of this bag with Jason before. So he was familiar with what was inside. Most of the drugs that were in there were technically legal because they're just a bunch of analogs that hadn't yet been classified uh, or scheduled. Um, Just a bunch of wild psychedelics. But he also had some other stuff in there um, that uh, was not legal. I had to take the bus and I didn't want to be on the bus with this bag full of drugs, you know? Because you never know when one of those canines is gonna walk by and no felonies for free, right? So I told him that I, I really didn't feel comfortable doing that. I didn't want to take his drug stash and hide it. That sort of tipped things over. He didn't like that. I wasn't, I wasn't his puppet. To be clear, Jason was asking his friend, his decade younger, impressionable friend, to commit a crime. Reasonable minds would see that Travis's refusal wasn't personal. It was a wise display of caution. 
But Jason wasn't reasonable. It took about two weeks, but he started kind of referring to me in a negative way while he was like harassing somebody else on LiveJournal. I would, you know, try to like be like, hey man, sorry, I didn't mean to, you know, upset you or anything. I just, I really was, you know, I got scared. I didn't want to, you know, I was scrambling to try to make things right with him. Um, because <laughs> again, I looked up to him. Trying to make things right with him never works. Because once he's made up his mind, that's it. He, he puts you in this, on this list, in this part of his mind of he can't, you know, he can't trust you anymore. You've betrayed him and uh, you are to be erased. What was the first action that he took against you? Just trolling online, just doing everything he could to, you know, he'd make stuff up about me and he'd say things to my friends. He likes to call people pedos because everybody hates a pedo, right? So he would make it up. But boy, that would, that would really make people question whether they wanted to interact with you. Pretty soon, name-calling and accusatory labels weren't enough. He emailed me some things that let me know that he was uh, still watching me and uh, I better pay attention to my surroundings because um, I never knew which, which shadow he'd step out of or something like that. He referred to darkness a lot and shadows a lot when he was talking to me. That was kind of like his theme with me is, you know, because I, I told him once that I was afraid of the dark, you know, and he kind of lashed onto that. I, I kind of knew the links that he would go to. So, yeah, I got pretty, uh, pretty scared pretty fast. Every time I would make a public profile, every time I would, I would be public on the internet at all, he would find it and start in with his, with what he does. Sometimes it'd be a matter of hours. Jason wants to isolate people, you know, I, so in a, in a like abusive it's like being in an abusive relationship with somebody. He needs to wipe you from the world. He he can't allow you to exist. My uh, social opening was the internet from the very beginning. That's where I, I met my tribe. Being pushed out of that was. Awful. Did you ever go to the police about the harassment? Not when I lived in Seattle. I didn't really have a, uh, <laughs> I didn't really have a good relationship with the police in Seattle, right? So that wasn't a, wasn't a thing. We didn't press Travis on his previous experience with the police, but going to them was something he wanted to avoid. And besides, we had seen how unhelpful the police had been in multiple instances with Jason's other victims. Without law enforcement help, though, he became increasingly on edge, feeling exposed, knowing that Jason could strike at any time. As you're about to hear, Travis got very unsettled just remembering this experience. I had watched Jason sort of pick people apart. 
there's a sort of um, baseline anxiety level and uh, sort of hypervigilance. Worrying about whether, when is, when is Jason gonna show up again and start trolling me and all of my friends and everybody that knows me? At what point is, are people gonna start walking away from me because uh, they feel like I'm toxic? Um, uh, sorry, man. I'm gonna take a break here in a minute. That's I'm, okay. No, of course. I'm like, I'm like really, uh, I'm really amped up over here. Having spoken with multiple victims of Jason Christopher Hughes, I can understand why Travis was having such trouble reliving his trauma. It's brutal. It's relentless, and it's completely unearned. What makes Travis's story different is that until now. Based on the stories we heard from Vanessa V and Rachel K, we could presume a lot of Jason's stalking was sexually driven, meaning he was targeting women who rejected him. But now with Travis, suddenly we're learning way more about how you can end up on Jason Hughes's hit list. It's not about sexual rejection. It's about any rejection. It didn't matter that Travis was a close friend of Jason's. If Jason perceived that you betrayed him in any way, then you would become his enemy for life. That's what makes Jason Hughes so dangerous. Literally everyone in his path is at risk. Even without any conflict, he might think you did something wrong. And then he exacts a lifetime of revenge on you. And remember what Travis said. When he sets his sights on you, he wants to erase you from the earth. The other thing to keep in mind about Jason's attacks are how personalized they were. He actually tailored them to his targets. He knew that Travis used to be scared of the dark, so he threatened to come at him in the darkness. He knew Travis's social circle was almost entirely online. So by spreading lies about him, he was trying to isolate him by making sure no one on the internet would want to interact with him. Of course, in reality, Travis wasn't as isolated as he felt. There were others experiencing the same torment at the hands of Jason Christopher Hughes. And maybe that connection could soon provide a bit of hope. There's a lot of people who I haven't told about this because oftentimes people have a bad reaction. They'll be like, oh, that's messed up. Uh, maybe I don't want to know you because you have a stalker. Like, what did you do to cause this person to be this way to you? There's something everyone needs to appreciate about cyberstalking crimes. The shame is real. Rachel Kay felt it when her friends and family came under attack and Travis could feel it when his entire social circle assumed he had done something to earn such negative attention. Jason's cyber attacks on Travis left him increasingly alone over the ensuing years, crushing him mentally and keeping alive the frightening possibility of a physical attack. Travis knew Jason wouldn't stop, and he was convinced that police couldn't help. He had to try fighting this on his own. I created what looked like accounts and profiles for me in the hope that he would come across those and try to, you know, get access to it. And in there would just be some dummy data. You know, it, it'd be like a place I didn't actually live would be in there. 
I've become extremely good at avoiding Jason. I have an entirely separate life from anything that he could know about. After nearly a decade of isolating himself, Travis would find an opportunity to do something more than hide and hope Jason would forget about him. Jason has a lot of victims, so inevitably we were all going to kind of start talking. Um, quite a number of us came from uh, some, have some communities in common. You know, Live Journal being one of them. One time in uh, around 2012, 2011, um, I was working for a hosting company, and one of the other uh, victims getting harassed by him contacted me, and she wanted to share with the world. She had put together a domain name and a bunch of like statements from people. She collected a statement from me, and he f- he found me. Travis took a chance to help in the fight against Jason, and it cost him the anonymity he had worked so hard to achieve, putting him right back in Jason's crosshairs. And he started harassing me at work. And so I had to get a police report. I contacted the, the police, and of course a sheriff came out and um, very consolingly told me there was nothing he could do. Just like when Vanessa V and Rachel K first contacted the police, Travis got no help from them. Jason had free reign to attack, and he would use it. There were a couple of times when I would be talking about him, with talking about Jason, on like Hacker News, and he'd have a bunch of sock puppets show up and make all these wild claims about myself. And uh, inevitably, they'd win, win the mimetic war, right? Because you, you got the crowd. And if enough people believe something, or if enough people perceive enough people believing something, hey, it's the internet, it becomes real. Sock puppets are multiple phony social media or email accounts being controlled by Jason. And he created enough of them attacking Travis that he successfully turned Travis into the bad guy in the online forums he was using. It looked like there was an entire mob out to get Travis, when in reality, it was just one person. Jason. The only people who believed Travis's side of the story were Jason's other victims. They had come under fire from Jason for a variety of different reasons. One man even got targeted simply for posting a comment online in defense of a woman Jason was attacking. But they all got brutal retaliation in one form or another. The owl poem. Oh, yeah, that thing is terrifying. Uh, Yeah, I don't like the owl poem at all. The Owl Poem is a graphic set of instructions Jason sent to several of his victims for how to mutilate a human into the shape of an owl. Here's Rachel Kay. The poem is called How to Make Your Own Pet Owl. And I'm going to read it now. Take one human, smash the arms, legs, knees with a sledgehammer. Bend the twisted limbs around a perch in a large iron cage. Bind the limbs so they grow into place. Insert a peg tube directly into the stomach for liquid feeding. Nasal feeding gets in the way of the next stage. 
Bust out all the teeth, remove the tongue. Blinding is a nice option at this stage, but you might want to wait on that to set the unfinished owl in front of a large mirror for some weeks. Cut the cheeks midline, break the lower jaw, collapse the palate. At this point, a stomach tube might be left with the facial remains formed into a beak. Keep a bucket underneath your new owl to catch wastes. Have fun poking your owl with thin, sharp bamboo slivers. Keep the owl on constant multiple antibiotics and switch those up so skin sepsis doesn't set in. I mean, the, I would say the purpose of the poem is to, is to scare and to horrify and to, you know, threaten. The Owl poem was for sure an escalation in violence and in violent imagery that I hadn't seen from Jason before. With the evidence mounting, wheels were in motion. Thanks to Detective Chow in Austin, this material started to make its way to the FBI. And they would slowly begin building a file against Jason. But there was no promise anything would ever come from it. And as the years ticked by, the torment continued for Jason's victims. It's just, I've dealt with it for so long that it's become second nature to amend my life to deal with this potential threat. that could pop up anytime. It's like, there's so much waste from the whole thing. You know, there's a lot of things that I wanted to do with my life that I, I didn't do. If, if Jason hadn't been in my life, I would have had opportunities to do more things like public service and be a little more out in the world than I am. Being able to be a, a face of something, you know, because a lot of things I'm really into that there's nothing I can do. Because I, if he shows up, it would just it'd wreck it all. The cost of Jason's cyberstalking had truly gotten incalculable. Despite how much Travis has suffered, he doesn't want the desire for revenge to control him the way it controls Jason Christopher Hughes. We asked Travis what he would like to see happen to Jason, and here's what he said. None of it's ever going to make it right for any of the people that he's hurt, but... I believe in redemption and rehabilitation because it's, it's sad to have that much intelligence and creativity just go to waste. It's sad that, you know, he's, he's wasted so much of other people's time too. You know, time when we all could have been doing other things. I don't like him. I, I don't want anything to do with him ever again. Um, you know, I, I'm just not the kind of person who really wants people to be in cages. I just want to get mental health care and see what can be salvaged. And if nothing, then okay, maybe he's got to live in a cage. I don't think he's ever going to stop unless he gets the right kind of mental health care and works at it. What do you think is going on in his head? What is driving him to behave this way? I'm not qualified to say what drives somebody like Jason to do what he does. 
But I think that the, the more light is shined on this kind of stuff, the, the better it is for everybody. It reduces him down from a myth, some kind of godlike figure in his own worldview. It reduces him down to just a human being who's sick. And, you know, we can do that with cyberbullies or, or whoever is harassing us, our abusers or, or anything like that. So why does Jason do what he does? After speaking with so many of Jason's victims, we felt we needed to go to somebody close to the source. Someone who is also another one of his victims, his own mother. Next time on Unraveled, The Stalker's Web. What kind of little boy is he turning into? He was a sweet boy. He was a kind boy. I could not believe my eyes and my ears when I saw what he had done. I felt terrible because that's my son. He was brilliant. You have to understand, he brilliant beyond words. Jason bought his first computer when he was 12, and that was pretty much his life. I never dreamed he could ever do anything like this. I almost vomited. I tried to give him everything he needed. He hates me beyond words. I'm telling you, he hates me virulently. Where did I go wrong? Unraveled is produced by Joke Productions for ID. The executive producers of this podcast are Joke Finciun, Biagio Messina, and Jeff Kuntz, along with myself, Alexis Linkletter, and Billy Jensen. The executive producer for ID is Tim Bainey. Additional producing and writing is by Eric Smith. Our editor is Aaron Frisha. The music and score that you've heard in this podcast is by Biagio Messina, Dave Pellman, in the Alibi and Nimble Libraries. I want to extend a special thanks to Travis for sharing his story with us. If you or someone you know has a story to share about Jason Christopher Hughes, you can email us confidentially at unraveledtips at gmail.com. You can also visit survivingjason.com for more information and helpful resources on cyberstalking. Make sure to check for episode four next week, wherever you get your podcasts. It helps a lot when you subscribe, rate, and review the podcasts that you enjoy. Thank you for listening and for your support. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.